Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Tuesday. Jenna X is in the building, as always, and we've got Johnny Crypto joining us later in the show, so I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how $26 trillion of value is getting ready to enter the crypto space, as the largest financial institutions on the planet are beginning the campaign that crypto is here to stay. The Digital Pound Foundation stated the key components of the XRPL are helping to create the CBDC sector as we speak, while Mark Yusko explains how crypto removes trust from the system, telling the world that this Bitcoin having could be different from the rest. Elon Musk elaborates on his former payment solution X.com and how he believes the future of payments has always been digital. And with the XRP price chart flashing a signal only seen once before, we break down the details, showing our community how central banks are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, the big news about the XRP price charts, what we're going to get into today. But on a side note, the Ethereum virtual machine sidechain for the XRPL is almost complete. So that's some pretty exciting news as well. But before we get into it, how you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling outstanding. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It was really awesome to be on yesterday, so I miss you guys. And then today I get to be on with Jenna, so that's really cool. And I think I just saw Shelly flash through the chat, so uh, it's going to be a great show. It's a family reunion, Gonzo, and we got Jenna joining us as well. Jenna, always happy to have you on. How are you feeling this morning? Thank you for being here. I'm feeling amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome to be on with Gonzo and hopefully Johnny will pop in here soon. I am so excited about the topics that we have today and good morning warriors that are out there watching. Let's do it. We're excited to get into it guys with the XRP price chart flashing a signal we've only seen once before. This is going to be a pretty exciting episode but we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do. Check out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account that's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, sitting at a 59. When we check out some of the daily movers, it's mostly red across the board. We got Pepe up about 3%, XLM also up about 5%. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we're sitting at $1.19 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is over 50% dominance. This is very unique for the crypto market. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin sitting at 30600 Ethereum, 1800 XRP is $0.48, cents, and Cardano, is sitting at 28 cents this morning. And Gonzo, we're going to kick it right back to you. But I want to get this show started off right with Mark Yusko explaining how the tokenization of everything has already underway. Pillars of the digital age, the ABCDs, as we call them. That's AI, blockchain technology, computer chips, and data. Those four things are transforming the way we store and exchange value. The same way that media was completely disrupted by the internet, and the value of the biggest media assets went to new assets. The same thing's happening in financial services. It's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over decades. But every stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity, every piece of art, every private business, every piece of real estate will eventually be a token on a blockchain, an entry on a ledger, permanent and immutable. We will have truth instead of trust. And we will save over $7 trillion a year. Six to 8% of global GDP is wasted by the friction of the trust industry that's necessary when you have dual entry accounting. With triple entry accounting, which is what a blockchain is, mm-hmm. we get rid of all of that friction. It's a beautiful future. I'm just. 
Gonzo, it's pretty exciting, not only because guys like Mark Yusko are going out and starting the campaign. Crypto's here to stay. We know that now. But guys like Larry Fink from BlackRock and we got JP Morgan and Jamie Dimon coming out and stating that they finally believe in blockchain technology. That's because they're ready to start tokenizing assets, stocks, bonds, treasuries, real estate, and being able to make a multiple of the profit they're already making. Last thing I want to point out, Gonzo, $7 trillion per year are spent just transferring our money. That can go to basically zero if we adopt blockchain. So what does it mean most to you, my friend? Yeah, you know, it's a lot of money. And like he's saying, $7 trillion, the system has tons of friction in it. And when you remove that friction, it's what we were talking about yesterday. When you were able to tokenize things, now you're able to trade them. So you're able to trade value. So you can trade art for gold, for oil, for crypto, for whatever that asset is. And it's moving between different markets, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. The question is, what blockchain or what platform are they going to build it on, right? Is it going to be built on XRP, on the XRP ledger? Is it going to be on Ethereum? Is it going to be on Solana, right? So that's why we take these kind of multiple bets to see who the winner is going to be, right? Right now, first mover advantage goes to Ethereum. But we know that XRP and the XRP ledger is better technology. Unfortunately, sometimes better technology doesn't win out. So we'll see how it goes where you're going to get a one-up from uh, like XRP and XRP Ledger, where it one-ups Ethereum, not just technology, is in regulation and clarity, right? Once we get the resolution of the lawsuit, besides Bitcoin being called a commodity by the SEC, you'll have the clarity that we need, right? Because it's going to be decided in a courtroom, where Ethereum, even though they kind of say it's a commodity, the CFTC has come out and said it's a commodity, you haven't had the SEC come out and say it's a commodity. So it won't have that clarity that XRP has. So, you know, that's why we always talk about, you know, having multiple horses in the race to see who's going to win at the end. Gonzo, you brought up something really important. And this is a question I have for you, Jenna. A guy like Mark Yusko obviously knows the tokenization of all these assets isn't going to take place on Bitcoin. So does that mean he's finally done his research? Do you think behind the scenes he knows about the currencies like XRP, XLM and so on? I'm sure he knows about those cryptocurrencies. I mean, he'd be living under a rock not to, right? And he's already, I mean, he comes on this show. He has to know about it. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of these guys, like from JP Morgan Chase and um, BlackRock, everything, they've known about Bitcoin. They know about crypto. They known is going to be successful. But, you know, they want to change the narrative. And that way, you know, oh, we think crypto is bad. We're unsure. That way they can short the hell out of it and they can buy things really, really cheap and load up. And then they're going to say, hey, no, this is good and this is what we're going to do and announce the news. It's exactly by the rumor sell the news. And Gonzo, check out this space because all check out this picture. I mean, because all of these massive companies are moving into the crypto space. BlackRock, which has nine trillion under management. Fidelity has four trillion. JP Morgan Trace, three trillion. Morgan Stanley, three trillion. And Goldman Sachs coming in at fifth with two point six trillion assets under management. And what we know about the big guys is they all move together. When they make consensus behind the scenes that it's, it's time to profit off the crypto space or stocks or bonds or whatever, they move in. They move into the space in unison. So that's what gets me really excited. And I know there's a lot to talk about, but there's one last video I want to play before we open up this conversation here, Gonzo. This is the mainstream media right now, guys. This is what's happening on CNBC. And this is how the average investor currently views the crypto market. Anyway, so here we are now, call it 13, 14 years in. Yes. This is a very long yeah, but think about it. speculation not, if this is that, yes, right? Yes. I, I'm not, I'm not. But let, let me, let, let's look at the crypto. Is it being used for real transactions? No. It is a cult. It, it, in parts first, of the world, it is yeah. the same. With, with the unbanked and, okay, or, or, or people in very okay. high, where they make money and inflation is 30 okay, or 40%. So let me, let me. And they have a cell phone and they're able to own something that doesn't depreciate immediately. Well, it, 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 it did exactly the opposite of its uh, uh, mission. As inflation hedge, because it collaped when when inflation collapsed to thirty thousand. But you, you know, people were negative at ten dollars. But you can look at any stock that that reached hundred dollars has started at at, at one or two dollars. So so and, and, and a lot of those when collapsed. you look at things, you don't look at the past. You look at the drawdown you can experience if right. you own it when it's already mature. So the, the one, it's not inflation hedge. Two, mm. the thing is. It may be good for transaction, for petty transactions, small, small amount of money, but it's not good for real money laundering. Guys, we can't adopt crypto. It's not good for real money laundering. With that said, Jed, I'm kicking it to you.
Oh my God. He just said that <laughs> this is not good for money laundering, but isn't that exactly the narrative that we've been hearing from Elizabeth Warren and all of these people it's used for money laundering. It's bad. They're trafficking drugs with it. Make up your freaking minds, people. No, you're right. It's, it's not so great because we can track everything that, you know, the blockchain is so transparent. It absolutely blows my mind. Bitcoin is a cult. It's not used for transaction. No, no, actually it, it is used for transactions. Now, is it the best cryptocurrency for transactions absolutely not that'd be like your xrp and xlm but this guy is ridiculous what the hell gonzo it's important to keep in mind this guy's a renowned economist and a billionaire and this is how he's talking about the financial markets so i have my take they say one thing to the public they do another thing behind the scenes but what's it mean to you my friend yeah it's just typical of the media right like if the mark yusko interview that you showed coach he showed it this morning on his video is a total joke they're talking about he's talking about blockchain he's talking about technology He's talking about uh, disruptors and the guy brings in the metaverse. What the hell does the metaverse have to do with what Yusko was talking about? But that's how they see it, right? They, they just confuse it or they don't understand it or they just FUD it like this guy right here. To me, that seemed like a Freudian slip. He's talking about what they're trying to do, which is money launder, right? Uh, you see this with the banks all the time, right? Where they get fined billions of dollars for money laundering. They're the biggest uh, like violators of that law. It's not cryptocurrency. It's the banks and, and, and the things that they do, right? That's where they get fined, but they understand how much money they're going to make, how many hundreds of billions of dollars they're going to make. And they don't care if they have to pay a few billion in fines. Right. But, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, you know, regardless of how you feel about it, this is kind of how the asset class develops, right? So you have the disruptors that come in, they kick the door down and then traditional finance, has to come in and step through it, right? They're going to further the asset class. And that's just the way that it's set up, right? So as much as against the ethos of crypto that goes against, without them, you're not going to get the influx of money. You're not going to get the regulation. And then the asset class doesn't continue to grow like we need it to grow. But yeah, dude, th this guy's a, he's a total joke. Gonzo, I have one quick follow-up for you. With tokenization of everything underway, Stellar seems to be the one that's coming to the front. And everyone has been uh, an advocate of Ethereum because JP Morgan and BlackRock and a lot of these companies are currently building on top of Ethereum. But I do think there's going to be a day where we see a shift into real-world assets. Like Ethereum is only it only has an advantage because of the free pass it was given during the 2010s and, and early 2020s. But I think as this market evolves, they're just going to shift into better technology. And guys like this, don't even credit his opinion because I think he's he's profiting off the traditional market. There's no reason for him to advocate for crypto. It's a transaction for petty transactions, small, small amount of money, but it's not good for real money laundering because it's very traceable. <laughs> and three, it is pretty much the right. first time in the history of the world we have had a cult, you know, a right. cult coupled with a financial interest. What do you make of, of BlackRock? now trying to pursue with an ETF. You have Citadel, you have a, you have a number of Wall Street players who, who, by the way, for a very long time, actually, were very negative, skeptical, just like you. Yes. Um, I was. I, I started positive on, on Bitcoin because I was disappointed with the Federal Reserve policy. But then I realized that you're going from Caribbean to Silla, in other words, from something, okay, right. uh, bad to something vastly worse. At least with Federal Reserve, you know, we have transparency, right. we know what's going on, we can influence it. There's a, you know, there's a system. But with crypto, uh, tend to concentrate among big players, right. and and uh, it is uh, um, how, how can I explain it? it? It's distracting, and and effectively, what has happened thanks to crypto is we're going to have Fed now next right. rolling out next month. We're going to have uh, the, the, the 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 central banks are uh, uh, focusing on making transaction. I got to pause it here because he said a couple of things that make absolutely no sense, Gonzo. The number one thing that sticks out to me is he said that decentralized currencies can be controlled, but he's an advocate for the Federal Reserve controlling their currency. So it's okay for the Federal Reserve to do it, but it's not okay for the general public to profit off of that. What's it mean to you, Gonzo? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was listening to him talk and I had this thought and then I just lost the train of thought. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the way the media fuds it. That's not what I was going to say. You should probably go to Johnny. It'll come back to me. But there was a point uh, when he was talking that kind of flashed into my memory. But I'll come back to it. Johnny Crypto, I don't know if you caught the end of that clip, but this man said that you can't adopt crypto because it can't even be used for money laundering. So what's that mean to you, man? 
Well, it certainly can be used somewhere because they're hacking and stealing it from everybody. So I'm not so sure I agree with it. But good morning to all the War Maniacs and Jenna and Gonzo. Good to see you guys. I did not catch the beginning of that. So I'm not sure what that guy was jabbering about. But um, we do know that it was a, you know, whether you're, whether <laughs> we know one thing for sure, Abs, the whole world is moving towards Bitcoin, right? Once BlackRock submitted that ETF, there's no question that it's only a matter of time now before we see it happening. And that's going to open the floodgates for for that one particular cryptocurrency. You're going to see a shit ton of use, you know, or at least have people investing in it from from that perspective. Well, look at this. I, I remembered what I was going to say. So he sits there and it says that it doesn't have any value, that it's small time, that it's a fad. But uh, Raul Paul was talking about this. And if you uh, listen to his like everything code, there are two things that have outperformed the debasement of currency that we've gone through, right? It wasn't the stock market. It's not commodities. It's been technology and cryptocurrencies, right? Those are the two asset class that have outperformed the debasement of currency, not inflation, not inflation hedge, right? The debasement of our currency, which we know is happening, right? He can't argue that point. So those are the two, right? And so those are the things that you want to get into because that's what's going to continue because you know, they're going to turn the money printers back on, right? There's no way out of it, right? They keep, um, they, all they keep doing is, is, is taking the debt and then um, monetizing it, right? So there is no other way out but to continue to turn on the money printers, right? And keep doing what they're doing. They have no other solution to this problem. And Johnny, can you believe this statistic right here? If you look at the gold chart, believe it or not, 11 years ago today, gold was sitting at the exact same price it is right now. And one of the biggest conversations in the market today is, is gold a hedge against inflation? At the beginning of that clip, that guy said that crypto assets are not a hedge against inflation. As the regular markets went down, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other assets went down. But look at what happened in the last week or so. The Federal Reserve has allowed us to go an additional $700 billion in debt in just the last three weeks. We need to hedge ourselves against inflation here, Johnny. So do you think Bitcoin could do the job? You know, I mean, right now, there's only been one true hedge in inflation. We all know what it has been gold. If you look at what gold coin would have bought you in 1920, it'll buy you almost the same thing today, right? So one little gold coin that would have been worth $25 in 1920 now is worth $2,000. That's 100x. That's a huge inflation adjuster. So certainly does a good job. Now, we don't have enough history. We don't have enough data on Bitcoin abs to know how it's going to perform over time as an inflation hedge when the thing's barely owned by anybody right now. I mean, Michael Saylor is like, the, I think, the second largest owner of Bitcoin. And I'm just joking. I don't know who the real son is. But there's not. My point is, none of the world has invested in this thing yet, okay? We don't even, nobody can invest in it because all the big money that's sitting on the sideline has already told you they can't come in it yet. Once all those people or, or money, institutional smart money, comes into this space, Abs, then we truly get to see what this thing kind of looks like and how it performs over time versus uh, inflation. So way too early to answer the question. I have one quick follow-up question, Johnny. How can you say that gold's a hedge against inflation when since 2008 we've experienced, I believe if you tr calculate true inflation, it's about 160%. I mean, if you, if you don't ask the Federal Reserve and you calculate true inflation, 160%, but today gold is the exact price it was 11 years ago. Because you're looking at it wrong. I keep telling you, you keep looking at a 10-year window. It's pointless. Go look at a 100-year window. And look at, look at, and you just chose an optimistic time. If you look at gold in 2003, it was $300. $300. It was $300. But it went to $800. That's a 4X. 200% inflation in the last 10 years and gold's the same price. Do you have a response to that? No, because you, you're, again, you're, you're looking at it. I can shift the window. Look right there. Pick starting at 2000. Go back to 2003. Gold could I could I make the case of this that people are finding other hedges against inflation and that's why gold's not sustaining its price during this time? What name one hedge that's been more better than gold? What's the name Bitcoin. of this joke? Bitcoin. Bitcoin has over Bitcoin. The last ten years. Again, again, you yes, you can spin the narrative if you want, but you're talking about a small again. This is my opinion. You're talking about a small slice of time in something that's completely speculative right now. So yeah. Because you're in the very beginning, the infancy of it. If I was mining gold right now in the beginning of gold and I was buying it for a dollar out of the mine and now it's $200, of course I'm going to get a 200x return. But that only happens one time. You ain't going to see you ain't going to see Bitcoin do that again. Bitcoin's not going to go up another 10,000% from where it is today. That game is over. 
Bitcoin is now kind of in a zone of where, you know, is it going to do a three X or but, five? But neither is gold though. But neither is gold. Gold isn't going to do another, like uh, another run like it did when it went from $400 to $2,000. Right. So they're both depreciated. I'm hearing like, gold some way if it was not manipulated, it would probably be closer to 10,000 right now. So and I'm hearing well, if pigs had wings, they could fly, my friend. Gold is manipulated. <laughs> I'm just saying, for me, I, I still trust and believe in gold. I do believe gold, when the U.S. dollar gets whacked, gold will be four, five, six thousand $6,000. And you guys are going to say, oh, yeah, I didn't see it coming. Well, I'm telling you, I think it can come, no doubt about it. I mean, but then why are you going to play a, a four or five X when you have a chance of such higher gains with Bitcoin? But Johnny, it's slightly contradictory what you're saying, because you were like, oh, you know, we're still really, really early. But then at the same time, you're saying, oh, there's no way we can have these crazy amounts of gains that we already do. So are we early or are we late? I'm not saying there's no chance of having the key, but it's the key word you just said, chance. You want to roll dice to take a chance in the casino? Absolutely. You can certainly do that. Right. But you ain't going to see that huge kind of gain in, in, in Bitcoin again that you saw in Bitcoin in that early phase where people say, oh, hey, this is a great inflation. No, it wasn't great. It was just in the speculation stage. And you can lay it. Oh, again, this is my opinion. You guys can completely disagree. But that to me is just how it's played out. Now, you're right, Jenna. There's going to be a shit ton of large gainers and players in crypto. But there's also that in, in the stock market. Pick a new stock that's starting today, a bunch of green sheets and you or penny stocks, and the same thing could happen. So, you know, it's just a matter of which, which one you want to play. But we're talking about a, a true inflation hedge. I don't see any of those being a true inflation hedge other than maybe Bitcoin. Could it be down the road? Potentially. But I just think it's too early to tell right now because the world hasn't invested in it yet. We don't know what that manipulation is going to look like once all that money on the sideline piles into it. That's all I'm, I'm willing to invest in that chance. Me too, by the way. Me too, just for the record. But is it going to be a true inflation hedge? Too early to tell, in my opinion. Am well, I willing to take the chance? Absolutely. That's, I want to see if this maybe changes your opinion even slightly. HSBC, BlackRock, Fidelity, and Klaus Schwab together have over $25 trillion in assets under management. Now, what's important to know about what it means to have assets under management, it's very different than owning $9 trillion in assets. So what I'm trying to say here is that when BlackRock gives the green light, there's dozens of companies that they control assets for that are also going to be indirectly given the green light to start accumulating Bitcoin. And we showed a chart earlier this week, Johnny, where we talked about what happened to gold when they launched the first ETF. That was the first time gold actually experienced a real hedge against inflation, a real price explosion. Look at what happened to the gold chart when they launched the ETF. And this is yet to happen for Bitcoin, which is why I'm making the comparison. Gold went from $400 to just below $2,000. 11 years later, we are yet to break the all-time high for the supposed number one asset to battle inflation. Any response to that or just what are you thinking? Again, look at the money supplies. When Trump was in office, we saw that the dollar was extremely strong, had buying power. So that's going to, you know, gold is going to go flat in that time period. And then, you know, once we hit inflation again, but you're talking about a 500% return, 500, 500x from 2000 to where we are today. Inflation, do you want to say, if you assume it went up 8% a year or 10 years, that's 80%. So Maybe I'm not making myself clear. Because we know the ETFs launched, we also know that JP Morgan and these guys are shorting on the back end. That's why the price of gold is suppressed. What leads you to think anything different is going to take place over the next decade now that we're going into a hyperinflation environment? Well, because you have certain entities that know what they should be buying and investing in, and that's going to drive the price up. And, and those entities are also highly, highly invested right now in gold. They've never bought more gold in their lives than they bought right now. They ain't buying it for it to sit flat. So let's just sit and wait. Let's talk about what the price of gold is in five years from now. Something tells me it's going to be. The reason that we're having this conversation is because uh, on, on Twitter, it was circulating. What would you rather hold gold, uh, $10 million of gold for 10 years or $10 million of Bitcoin for 10 years? And for me, it felt like an easy answer because when I look at historically, gold's already went through the massive catalyst for growth. You said it yourself. They went through the ETF moment. They went through the banks adopting gold moment. They went through the moment when we had to devalue our dollar because we couldn't even cash out our gold. So I just think it's peaked. What do you think? Last last topic here. Do you think gold has peaked when it comes to being a hedge against inflation? Anybody? Uh, in uh, no, it's a great question. The, the, actually, the answer to that to that question, where I went, where, what would I rather own, Bitcoin or gold? The answer for me would be actually both. Um, there's no question about it. I think you don't have to just, this is the beautiful thing. It's a, it's a stupid question. You don't need to own one or the other. If you were smart, 
the smart man's going to own both. And frankly, I own both. I, I truly like Bitcoin. Well, I guess my follow-up would be, which one are you leveraged higher into? Which one do you believe in more? Uh, for me, I personally want to be almost right now. I'm more in gold than Bitcoin, but I'm working my way to increasing that balance. I want to actually be equally balanced. I really do. I really believe that Bitcoin is going to be, you know, Bitcoin's more than just a hedge of inflation, right? It truly is probably the one of the fewest decentralized coins we'll have out there. I mean, we had the guy on there try to try to stop Bitcoin. It's almost impossible. And for me, that is kind of like the true, if you will, maybe the true. Mm, Freedom, if you will, right? To be able to exchange, you know, crypto outside of maybe that. So for me, I kind of like, I like Bitcoin. I don't have anything against it at all. And and I own it. And so uh, for me, I think both of them is a smart move to have in your, as well as altcoins. I think it's a good mixture to have all three, to be honest with you. In fact, I always talk about the fourth metal that no one talks about. And that's lead. Make sure you have some of that too. <laughs> that might be the most important one, Johnny. You believe me, bro. <laughs> We got 322 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Put a one in the live chat if you would rather hold Bitcoin for the next 10 years. Put a two in the live chat if you'd rather hold gold. But Johnny, there's a lot that we can talk about, but I think our listeners are excited about the XRP price targets. And earlier this week, Blockchain Backer did a great video explaining two things. One, the XRP price chart is something is showing uh, something we've only seen once before. But number two, some of the unrealistic price targets are now becoming realistic. Here we go. Elliott wave contracting triangle composed of ABCs. That's what the move would be. Two Fibonacci extensions and three, an equivalent sized move from the past, which is what we saw on both Bitcoin and Ethereum in 2021, sort of baked into the cake of the market makers, as you would say. So to each their own on which one they think it is. Like I said, I lean much more. I'm talking about catching up on these market caps, 4.236 extension, just like Bitcoin and Ethereum have already done. But in the circumstance of, let's say, Ethereum starts cranking out towards a new all-time high and that this is a completed extended flat, suddenly it opens the door wide open on this thing. Uh, that has an argument to it. As of right now, the math does not work for the market cap of XRP to catch up to Ethereum. Even if Ethereum gets right up near its all-time high, the math just doesn't work for XRP to go cranking above you know 10 or 13 dollars but if ethereum does go into new all-time high it really does kind of open that door up so in order for me to actually say hey i'm actually a believer that 25 dollars is in play i have my rules there right like i need ethereum to go to i need bitcoin to go to you get me both of those it really opens that door and that's probably the thing that i'll be looking for first before you ever kind of get me off of here so Gonzo, I'm going to play the remaining minute of that video, but what he said is so important. For XRP to reach these price targets, what BC Backer states is that Ethereum is going to have to take up a larger market cap as well as Bitcoin. These markets often move together. Do you agree with BCB? I do because it's total market cap, right? You have these people sometimes or like these content creators that throw out these prices. It's the same theory like where people thought that Shiba Inu was going to go to a cent. But when you do the math on it, it's just impossible because for it to go to a cent, it would have to be the total market cap would have to be more than the whole crypto, right? Asset class. And that's just not going to happen. So you, you, because as the number one and two, you need that money to flow into those. And if those go on a run and they break their all time highs, then we can start talking about that money flowing into XRP. But without that, then what you're talking about is all that money just going into XRP without the other ones moving. And sometimes the math doesn't just add up. Obviously, you can get FOMO, but FOMO can only take you so far. So he's being very logical about it, and, and I agree with him. And this is another indicator here, Gonzo. Before I play the end of that video, there's been three instances where XRP uh, price jump preceding a spike of active wallet accounts. We're seeing the same thing here. Many active wallets are being built right now. And look at these huge spikes. I mean, look at March of 2018. This thing is ridiculous. It doesn't even fit on the chart. But here's what I do want to play. Here's the remainder of this BC backer video off this $10 area and start getting me believing in the $25 area is that we probably need to see Ethereum and Bitcoin going first or everything's going at the exact same time, but Ethereum's just staying ahead of XRP and XRP's just chasing behind its tail and they're both flying up to the upside at the same time. And then finally XRP catches the, uh, the market cap of Ethereum much higher. Uh, but that seems to kind of have been a golden rule throughout the cryptocurrency market 
for the last seven or so years. So till then, I have to keep my expectations right here. But in the event of Ethereum setting a new all-time high or Bitcoin, uh, I will become a much bigger believer that maybe we could get our way all the way up there. And that this was just the most epic contracting triangle, Elliott wave triangle that we've seen in crypto. Boom. He said it right there, Johnny. He said this could be the most epic Elliott wave triangle we've ever seen. And when we talk about numbers like 10, 13, $25, a lot of people either tune out or they get overly excited. I want to hear what you're thinking because BC backers, very realistic. Remember our conversation we had in Vegas? Some of his, some of his takes are very negative about the crypto space. So to see him optimistic about XRP, it's unique. What are you thinking? Well, Gabs, I've been very, very consistent for a long time on the show of what I've always felt would be a good price. And 10 to 12 has always been something I've been, you know, excites me in that zone. And it's funny because I wrote down BC backers pricing when I first started getting into the space four years ago. It's still right here on my wall. And guess what his first target price was? 10 to 12. So he's been also very consistent. And his second price target was 54. I still have it written down. So for me, Anywhere between 10 and 54 was always exciting to me. Everybody else had these crazy realistics of 35,000, 589. I never, ever kind of fell into that whole belief of it. For me, it was more of just a matter of I've always felt anything that goes from 20, 30 cents to $10, that's a freaking tremendous, tremendous return. And for me, that that's something that for me, I can live with, very happy with that. But here's the one mistake I will never make again. When I do sell into that $10, $12 range, I will certainly have some of my bags back to be able to sell much higher and not pull the Amazon mistake I made in, in 1997. So that is the one promise I'll make abs. I ain't selling all my bags, but a good chunk in that range would be a hell of a return. Jenna, tell me what you're thinking, because I want to tie this into Mark Yusko's statements. If they're going to tokenize stocks, bonds, and real estate, they're going to have to do it on a bunch of public blockchains. XRP, it's very safe to assume, will be one of them. Is it going to be the whole thing? Absolutely not. But let's say we get 10%. Maybe we can get up to that 10, 12, 13, even $25 range. What are you thinking of BCB's analysis? No, I mean, I, I love it. And I'm not a TA person. He's just very, very reasonable. I've gotten to meet him. But I've just always had this gut feeling once it gets relisted and everything, I've always said to myself, it's going to go 10 to $13. And that was before I even knew his analysis of it. It was just something that I always just, you know, thought that could be doable. And I don't know. That's just my psychic vibes, y'all. But I, yeah. I agree. I agree. And um, I don't know. I'm not a moon girl. I don't think that XRP is going to go $10,000 anytime soon. I'm realistic. Um, you know, and, and I don't mean to tramp on anyone's hopium by any means, but it's, it's okay. And that's why I have a crypto strategy for my exit plan. Um, you know, I have that all laid out. And yeah, I have 100 XRP on the side. If it goes to $10,000, that's all I'll need. Gonzo, <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah. And so I guess maybe this is good news, but I do believe that Ethereum is going to make an all-time high. I, I think people are assuming that the deflationary aspect of it is baked in or what you're seeing with the staking. You are now getting to a point where you're about to hit 20 million Ethereum that are staked. So you're getting more Ethereum staked than the exchanges hold, right? It's all simple supply and demand. So you have the burning mechanism. You have all this Ethereum that's being staked because of you're getting about 5% right now. When institutional money comes in, that's what they're going to be looking for, right? Remember what got the banks in trouble when we were at that zero interest rate thing? It was chasing the yield, right? And the bonds flipped on them, right? And so when you get this institutional money that comes in, when you get regulation that gives them the clarity, they're going to be chasing that yield. And right now it's at 5%, right? And so I think that the market hasn't really taken that account. And so you're going to see an all-time high and that's going to trickle down. And then, you know, you could see prices like that um, in XRP. Johnny Crypto, how do you think about, what do you think about this? I know you love the polls. I did a little poll this weekend and we got about a hundred votes on this thing. What do you think the, by the end of 2025, the price of Bitcoin will be? The three options were below 50,000, between 50 and 100 and above 100K. Well, my surprise was not that 50 to 100,000 won. It's how evenly split these are. 33% think we're still going to be below $50,000 by the end of 2025. What do you think is the great debate here? Why are so many people thinking differently? Well, a better way to think about it is 66% think it's going to be over 50, and that's double from where we are today. That's how I would look at it. Uh, I, I think that, <laughs> I think that you know, we are definitely going to be more closer to the 100 side range or higher in the future um, because we still have 
I'm just going to sound like a broken record. We still have a ton of money sitting on the sideline that hasn't come in yet. And that's going to create supply and demand. And you all know how supply and demand works here. When that supply, you know, when all that money comes in to buy this stuff up, it's a limited quantity. That's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin. There's only 21 million of them, guys. Now, um, and so as long, but the problem is now we're talking about an ETF, right? And we all know ETFs can be manipulated. That is the problem. It's supposed to maintain and track the spot price of Bitcoin. And, and theoretically, for the ETF to do right, you're supposed to be you know, putting some Bitcoin into that thing. So we'll have to see how this whole thing plays out, Abs. But I do believe, if, you, if I'm a, as a betting man, the probability of it being over 50 versus under 50, I can't even believe 33% think it's going to be under, knowing what's coming, frankly. But that's just me. But I think, yeah, we, we will be closer to the 100 or higher range by, by 2025, in my opinion. And here's some more evidence of the fact that Bitcoin's ETF is going to get approved in America. Another reason we give the spot ETF approval a 50% chance is that our senior legal expert at New York City Stein gives Grayscale a 70% chance of winning their lawsuit against the SEC, who could approve Bitcoin's ETF as a way to save face of trusted adult trade fi and stick it to Grayscale at the same time. So we're seeing a much bigger movement right now with these banks. They finally realize they can profit off of crypto, and accordingly, they're moving into the market. But guys, we're going to bring another very, very exciting update here because the Prometheum debacle, it's not over yet. With this new video, we may have some evidence of them communicating with Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler before speaking to Congress. We got 363 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest video. Um, did you coordinate in any way with uh, either the SEC or House representative staff before your appearance at that hearing? Um, there's, it's, I think it's pretty standard for there to be some communication between um, the entities that invite you and uh, in that capacity. I mean, uh, we were somewhat aware of the topics they would cover, but we didn't really know the exact questions. Okay. There, there were times during your testimony when it looked like you were reading your answers. What mm -hmm. were you reading? Uh, basically, I had thought I had prepared good responses and was looking in my notes. Obviously, we had prepared extensively to testify, and there was a lot I wanted to make sure to cover. So I wanted to make sure in looking at my answers that I was proper and thorough in my responses. Okay. And so none of the... Johnny, this wasn't an example of Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler sharing questions and answers, was it? Floor is yours. Yeah, you know, they just picked the perfect villain. Every time I see him, I think of the karate kid and Terry Silver. He's totally Terry Silver. He's totally the bad guy. But, you know, I mean, basically, he could have just skipped to it and answered the question real quickly and just said, yes, we, we talked ahead of time. Obviously, the committee members obviously had some conversation with him, probably told him the topics they were going to talk about. I don't know. I don't think he's at Gary Gensler's level where he actually gets the questions and the answers. I think he's a step below that. But he probably got some identity, some idea what they were going to talk about. They probably told him, hey, this is the topic. This is the area we're going to ask or we're going to want to know more about to give him some idea so he could prepare. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. The last thing you want to do at a committee hearing is bring somebody up and they have no idea what's coming. And, they, and all you get is answers. Oh, I don't know the answer to this. Or I don't know this. Or, I don't know. Better that they have the answers, you know, something prepared. Uh, so it's fair to, to share the topics I've been in you know, or, you know, close to politics to know how these things work. And they certainly do uh, want to make you aware. So nothing wrong with that. As long as they're not getting questions and answers, that's a problem if that's happening, but we're not going to know until we know. Gonzo, a couple of things. First of all, Johnny Crypto for president 2024, guys. But also in this video, he talked about something funny. He says he didn't get exact questions. I'm sure he had some idea of what he would be asked. I want to specify that language. What stuck out to you, Gonzo, and then Jenna? No, I think absolutely he got it. Like, that's why he prepared those answers, right? He was the SEC plant. He's the only one that went against what everybody was saying, right? He's saying that there was no uh, confusion, that there was a path forward, but then when they asked him, okay, well, if there's a path forward, then why do you guys sell Bitcoin? No. Do you sell Ethereum? No. So you don't sell the number one and number two crypto assets. Why? Because they haven't gotten permission to do that yet. There is no regulatory clarity, right? So they got a path for the licensing, but they don't have a path to sell the asset, which is crazy, right? Because they're an exchange. You can't sell the number one, number two asset. It's ridiculous. So he was absolutely totally prepared. He was there as a plant for the SEC to kind of show that the SEC is unbiased and that there is a path forward, which was total bullshit. Yeah. 
completely. Jenna, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, he was 100% there to be a cheerleader for the FCC. His what chief legal officer, whatever, used to work for the SEC and you have FINRA, you have all of these connections. He was there for them. He was totally given the answers. That's why he was reading them and he wasn't prepared for them to pull up, you know, videos and old things of him saying, you know, just in 2021, asking for clarity, saying that we need it. And now he's saying, oh yeah, no, the rules are clear. Hello, Congress is supposed to be making these laws, these rules, not Gary Gensler, not an unelected bureaucrat. So no, he was absolutely there for a reason to be their little cheerleader. And let's just remind you, he has built nothing. He is not a developer in this space. He is not here for the technology. He is here to line his own pockets whenever he, you know, can release his platform. Yeah, no question about that. And abs, now that you put it out there, people want to know. So I'm going to need a vice president. So put a one in the chat if you want to pick Jenna, a two to pick gods or a three to pick abs. Let's see what the chat thinks. Uh. I think there's going to be a lot of threes in that live chat, but check out this latest application here because HSBC <laughs> Hong Kong is now enabling customers to trade in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I feel like the topic of conversation is centered around Bitcoin because they're calling these BlackRock and JP Morgan products Bitcoin ETFs. Gonzo, that's not even what they are. They're small baskets of the cryptocurrency space. But right now, when I do my research, all I can really find is four currencies that continue to pop up. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. Let's have a discussion about why Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash are getting some sort of free reign here, Gonzo. What are you thinking? I think it's because they were listed in that um, that new exchange, right? That's backed by um, Fidelity and those guys. And then you, ha- you also had um, when they allowed hong kong to uh the retail traders to trade those were listed too so that's why they're getting runs right but i mean you if you see what's happening you have the story right there um this is where the u.s falls behind right you had china who was totally against crypto banning throughout the miners and and don't get it twisted they absolutely control what happens in hong kong but now they've kind of flipped it and now they're hong kong their regulators are very pro crypto right they're pushing their banks to now partner with these crypto companies, right? They're saying, hey, come to us and you could have your corporate headquarters here, right? Uh, and, and, and do your business, right? Through either banking or what's going on, right? They just listed, HSBC just listed those ETFs and they are futures products, but they're literally on their app. So like right now, like with your JP Morgan app, right? Where like you deposit your money and you pay your bills, the HBC app that's in Hong Kong, you can buy the Bitcoin ETF, right? The ETFs that they're listing are now available on their phone apps. And so they're definitely, you know, trying to beat out the U.S. And this is what we talk about innovation leaving the country. This is what we're talking about, whether it's going to the European Union because of Nika and the clarity that they're providing or now what's happening with Hong Kong and the clarity that their regulators are providing. This is absolutely happening. And this is another very important follow-up here. Tyler Winklevoss and his brother, I can't even remember his name. These are the men who stole the Facebook idea from Mark Zuckerberg in that movie. Well, they became full-on Bitcoin bulls, and they went over to Hong Kong in order to speak with representatives about blockchain adoption. Here are some of their statements. They said, Hong Kong is ready to lead into crypto. We had a great meeting with the SFC, Hong Kong's crypto regulator, during Gemini's world tour. We're very encouraged with their thoughtful and clear approach. Many industry players making... Uh, Hong Kong, a vibrant ecosystem to develop here. What is going on? We are creating a reason for people to leave America and go to China, Johnny. This is disgraceful. What do you think? Well, yeah, you just then. Well, let me just fix this before you get bashed. Um, they didn't steal Facebook from the from the from Zuckerberg. It's the other way around. They they won the lawsuit where Zuckerberg stole it from them. But nonetheless. Uh, so just wanted to correct that. But, um, you know, we know that the Winklevoss, they've been highly, they, they've set up Gemini, if you've heard of them. They've been highly into this crypto space. And the reality is you just nailed it exactly. Um, and that's right. There was a big scam on Gemini. People lost their money. But nonetheless, I think this is just more evidence that there's no doubt the world is moving forward. Bitcoin and Ethereum are here to stay, guys, whether you like it or not. Even our man Powell admitted it the other day in Congress when they asked him, hey, what do you think about crypto? He's like, well, you know, it sure appears to be here. So it ain't going anywhere. And they took their best smack at trying to kill it. And so I think, Abs, now it's just a matter of people are starting to come to the realization that people are in it, that this is really here. Uh, the, the, the big boys, the smart money is putting all of its place in position. Here's another move that's showing exactly that. 
And then the big stamp of approval when, when BlackRock gets its approval, that's just going to be game over for it at that point. And guys, if you're not in it at that point, I don't know what to tell you, uh, Abs. I, you know, I've been saying we're too early before, you know, it feels so late. But the reality is we're getting, we're getting closer when that ETF comes. That's just going to be one giant step forward to unlocking all the a lot of liquidity that's sitting on the sidelines. And somebody who's now referencing the crypto market on the regular, it's not only Larry Fink and BlackRock. Elon Musk has been a longtime advocate for cryptocurrencies. And that's not just Dogecoin, believe it or not. But we got 368 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. In this video, Elon Musk describes how payments are turning digital. But does he know about XRP and XLM? That's what I want to discuss. Tell me, tell me the story. Years. Yeah, tell me, tell me the story about X, X.com. Well, I mean, way back in the day, the idea was for... Uh, X or X.com to be um, an all-encompassing um, financial services company um, or, or th thought kind of in like a um, infinite information theory way to be a, to be the most efficient uh, database for the information that is money. Um, the way that money currently works is from a practical standpoint, it's um, still mostly run on mainframes. Yeah, that's, that's still a thing for, for banks. It's mostly written in COBOL. It's still mostly uh, batch processing. Uh, so actually the financial system is very slow. Um, it's not secure. You've got all these heterogeneous uh, complex databases. Um, so if you have a real-time um, commodities database uh, that is just like fundamentally more, more, more efficient and doesn't um, have all the expenses of uh, bank buildings all over the place and bank branches and, and ATMs, which are increasingly kind of redundant. Um, Johnny, I don't know if you want to play the end of this clip, but I think it's so important to highlight this. Guys like Elon Musk have for a long time been silent about crypto. And uh, one of our listeners, Mentelect, makes a great point. He said, Elon Musk says nothing about XRP. That tells you he knows everything about XRP. And in some ways, I agree with this, Johnny. In some ways, I think that guys like Elon Musk are told about these initiatives years before they happen. And then at the blink of an eye, they're given that text message or that phone call to say, hey, flip the script. Let's talk about crypto. Let's talk about the future of payments because we're ready to profit. So there's a lot we can get into. But the question I really have for you is with as, as educated as Elon Musk is, why do you think he's very pro Dogecoin and some of these other currencies, but not talking about the real world assets we know he knows about? Well, it probably goes back to what Yusko said when we had him on the show. If you're if you're somebody who wants to invest and in buy into something, you're not going to talk about it. That's the, the worst thing you can do. The last thing you're going to do. We're kind of unique here where we're idiots. We tell everybody what we're doing, right? We, we, don't, we don't hide nothing. Like, hey, we're doing this, we're doing that. You know, but theoretically, you're not supposed to do that, right? The smart money knows that you don't do that. In fact, you do something else. Not only do you keep quiet about it, you actually try to bash it. You try to beat it down. You try to foot it out. And then you buy it on the cheap. And then once you own it where you want it, then you talk about it. So, you know, you kind of almost have to put, you know, Elon, I guess, to some degree in that same group of smart money people. And maybe he's just not talking about it. I'm not saying he's out there funding it because you don't hear him talking bad about it. But you also don't hear him talking about what he's doing because the smart money typically doesn't do that. Abs, And I think that's that's what it is. So now what does that do? That leaves everybody to speculation. Now, we know he loves Doge. He talks about it all the time, which tells you he's probably not even invested in Doge. Or maybe he did it a long, long time ago when it was, you know, a half a penny or whatever. But, yeah, very interesting. But I would not hold it against him if he didn't talk about what he's doing because most smart money, don't they don't do that. And, Jenna, his statements are so similar to what Mark Yusko said at the beginning of the episode – at the the friction we have in our financial system is long outdated. And Mark Yusko even said the number $7 trillion per year are spent sending money. That's insanity. Yeah. What do you think of Elon's statements? Yeah, I mean, there, if he knows, obviously, and loves Doge, there's no way he doesn't look at CoinMarketCap and know what the top cryptocurrencies are. He's bullish long term on crypto and digital assets, digital payments. So, I mean, I know that he knows. <laughs> about all of these we got a stellar girl in the house today yeah uh, as always guys stellar is in that thumbnail if you can find the stellar logo plus one to you but gonzo what do you think about the winkleboss twins as well we just talked about how we're moving innovation outside of the united states but guys like the winkleboss twins they're americans why would they be pro pushing this innovation towards china instead of having these meetings with gary gensler and stating let's create some real regulations so we can make some money because i think they've tried Right. Because remember, we talked about the disruptors. These guys are the disruptors. They're not traditional finance. 
And so they came in, they knocked the door down, and now traditional finance is going to walk through it. And they're just not part of it. As elite as they are, as rich as they are, they are not traditional finance. So they're going to go where they're treated the best. And if that's in Hong Kong, and if that's where they get clarity for their exchange so they continue to make money, that's what they're going to do, right? And and that seems like that's what the setup is, um, right? And so, um, you know, all we can do is, is speculate and try to get – because. It's the first time that we've ever had a situation where we're able to get ahead of traditional finance, right? Uh, during the dot-com, um, not everyone could have speculated and got in, right? And then we had the dot-com bubble burst and Johnny has his story. But it's the first time we're really, be, we're, we're really able to get into these assets and kind of dollar cost average and then hold them if you have conviction for a long period of time and then wait for traditional finance to kind of come in and then move the innovation forward. Johnny, we talked a lot about the tokenization on top of um, on top of the XRP. And thank you so much for this nice comment here. Guys, we got 379 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I want to take a minute to say thank you to Gonzo, Jenna, and Johnny. Every single morning they show up here prepared, hardworking. So I just want to give a shout out to you guys. You're amazing at what you do. There's nobody else I'd rather do this show with especially Johnny Gonzo and Jenna. Come on, guys. I love you so much. But with that being said, I do want to get right back to this Ripple article here because we broke it down yesterday, Johnny. The future of central bank digital currencies are currently being built with the principles of the XRPL, and XRP could easily be the liquidity between many of these currencies. That's exciting, right? But what we're seeing right now in the markets is that Stellar is actually moving. And we had a really good conversation yesterday. Stellar typically moves just before XRP. Stellar's moving this morning. Are we going to have XRP move soon? Oh, jeez. You know, let me just say, Abs, before we go into that question, uh, it's uh, feelings mutual. When There's no better host in the world than you, and we're happy to have you here as the host. So just want to put that out there, too. You know, I, the whole thing of, you know, Stellar moving first and this and that, to me, we're still six months to a year away from the real bull run anyway. So for me, I don't I don't kind of look at what's happening. We have a lot of things that, that momentum that's in the pipeline for, for XRP. And and so with the lawsuit being one of the, the most prominent, that could change the whole game just when that comes off its back. So I don't I don't know if you always want to look at history and it always repeats itself. It is similar. Maybe Stellar moves first. The reality is this: Stellar's got beaten up really bad. I don't know if anybody know, but this thing was sitting at like 20, 30 cents, then it went up to seventy. Now it's been down here at nine for eight, nine for for quite a while. It's been a great, great DC opportunity and a DCA opportunity. And for me, I just hope people who believe in it were DCAing in it. I know I was. I love it down here. You still can at this price, not financial advice. If not a financial advisor, do your research. But certainly still, this seems like a great opportunity with a lot of upside potential. And, and we know, you know, that, that it's run by the we know that one of the owners is the Teflon. I call him the Teflon Don of crypto, our man Jeb. So, you know, my man's got some in, 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 in connections there. And so I think Stellar, you know, is going to be one of those horses that you got to have in your stable because who knows where that thing's going to go. Jenna, another important detail about the Stellar price chart is it's one of the only tokens that didn't break its all-time high during the 2021 bull run. But Gonzo, check out this question we're getting from the live chat because this really caught my attention. I want to get your thoughts. It said, so are we just going to discredit FedNow starting while using XRP and other ISOs? We can't. We really can't because officially... FedNow is going to be launching on July 1st, and we covered it yesterday. Three banks in the FedNow system, Gonzo, are using RippleNet's system to operate with FedNow. That means two things. XRP and the XRPL are being leveraged, and they're compatible with the FedNow system. Huge news for the market. Let's talk about that before we finish with Stellar. Yeah, so all we can do, so we're speculating, right? And so all you can do is look at the technology-wise, right? And then... The other part of it is the development, right? Is it actually being used, right? Because sometimes tech doesn't always win out. But if it's being used, if they're building partnerships, and this is what Johnny always talks about. He wants to see the partnerships, and then he wants to see the use case and actually being used. Blockchain backer, when he came on the show, he alluded to this. It's getting harder and harder to pick the winners and losers, right? Back in 2016, 2017, you could have put money into any of these assets, and they ran, right? Where And that's going to continue to diminish, and so all you can go on is tech, which you know that XRP and XLM have the tech. Then the other thing you can look at is development. Are they actually, is actually somebody using this? Is somebody actually building on it, right? Um, and, then, and, then, and then go from there. But that's all really we can do 
is, is speculate. But the more that they develop it, the more that they build on it, right? That's why Ethereum has that first mover advantage. Um, the likelihood of it being around or appreciating in value in the future goes up. Because if nobody's using it, then it doesn't matter if it's the best technology ever. If nobody develops on it and nobody uses it, then it's kind of just a waste, right? And we talked about how the Federal Reserve acknowledged in the past they were working with Ripple Gonzo. So it's really not a surprise that these systems are compatible. What is a little bit surprising is that this lawsuit is still going on while the Fed is activating their system. So, Johnny, I'm going to give you a comment, then Jenna. Let me just chime in here on something that Gonzo said that I think is so important. You know, you, you could have almost invested in anything. Abs, take a guess. How, how many coins do we have today? Does anybody know? I think it's 24,000. About 25,893 to be exact, but who's counting? All right. So thank you, Merlin, by the way. Um, but, or I, actually, I don't even have Merlin up. I know it's close to that number, but take a guess, Abs, uh, how many coins? Right? It's actually 26,019 per Merlin as of right now. Uh, but take a guess, Abs, how many were active in 2017 during the bull run? I'm going to say 500. Well, yeah, that's actually pretty good. 789 coins. Wow. Right? So we've come from 789. So, so to Gonzo's point, it would have been a lot easier to pick some winners and losing out of a, out of a range of 789 coins versus where we are today at 26,019 coins out there. Now, they're not all active, right? So CoinMarketCap keeps track of all the coins. About Only about 10,000 of those are actually active, 10, 12,000. But the point is, I'd much rather be trying to pick a winner out of 789 than out of 10,000. And that's really what we're going to be faced with in this next bull run. How do you pick the? And no more importantly, here's the bigger problem: is when you have 789 coins, well, the money's going to flow through that chunk of those bulk of coins, right? So, just by nature, you're going to have more money flooding into them. Whereas now you got 10,000, same pile of money theoretically can't flow as high, right? Now, what we're hoping for is there's a higher amount of liquidity if we get some regulation so that it can drive those up, but it's going to be much, much higher. So harder, but, um, but anyway, so I just thought that was a cool stat to steer with the group, just to, to share with the group, just to kind of let them know it's a different, it's a different game where we were versus 2017. I absolutely agree, Johnny. And I think it's so important to highlight just to close out the show. We're referencing the XLM price chart. And one of the things that we've often discussed is really high price targets. Anybody who's new to the crypto market should understand one fact about how this works. In 2025, 90% of the new money that comes in is going to exit on the back end. And so you got to have an exit plan. You got to have a way to get some cash out of this market so you can continue to invest when the prices pull down. And this is what we're looking at with Stellar Gonzo. I just wanted to get your thoughts really quick. The Stellar price chart reached about 78 cents at the peak of the bull market in 2021. And the price chart on, uh, on this technical analysis platform, it doesn't go back to 2017. But in 2017, we were above a dollar. So my question to you is why are the real currencies not breaking their all-time highs while we got Dogecoin and Pepe and many of these others pumping through the roof? Yeah, you know, it, it just depends on whether you believe in technical analysis or you believe like maybe somebody like Waters Above, Jordan, that's been on the show that talks about like gematria and numerology where, you know, last year and the last bull run wasn't really the year for the Xs, right? Or the 23. That's coming next year, right? And that's why he's talked about the, the lawsuit, uh, even though we get, might get some resolution this year, that it really won't be these projects that have the X in them or that, that are very similar in numerology really won't run until 2024, 2025. So it just depends on what you believe in. But what it goes to is that you should always pull profits, right? Because you don't know. If you look at the, the, the winners of the last bull run and what the top five tokens were, they're a lot different if you put stable coins out, right? But if you look at all the different bull runs, they're always different projects besides kind of like one and two, right? Uh, and so it'll be a matter of, of picking the right ones. But when you get into, uh, let's say you got into render when we were talking about it at 20 cents and it got almost a $3, you should have been pulling profits, right? That's one hell of a run that it did in the bear market. And you should have been pulling profits to put that aside so that you can either go into maybe a more stable asset or into real estate or whatever it is. But that's why it's always good to diversify and to always pull profits. Johnny Gonzo said a couple of great things there, but what the thing that stuck out to me most is you said 2025, did you say 2024 or 2025 would be the year of the X? 2024 going to 2025. So think about that. Right. As Gonzo was saying that the astrology and the geometria is telling us that these projects are ready to move. 
Ukraine is building their CBDC on top of Stellar. Fed now is going live. Ripple's lawsuit's going to end. Bank of America already stated they're going to start leveraging Ripple's technology once the lawsuit is over. And guys, we got our peak listeners in here right now. 388 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we discussed the XRP price targets at about the 30-minute segment of this show. So, Johnny, just to close us out here, Stellar, as much as it's fallen into the background with the narratives, if you look at the utility, it's doing better than almost every project in the market. So just some closing words on Stellar. Yeah, it has some really, really good use cases, Abs, no doubt about it. And to me, it's one of those where I absolutely would be pissed at myself if I didn't have my bags packed with them going in. You, you just don't know who the winner is going to be. But you said something important. 2025 is going to be, I think, the beginning. Like, so 20, like, think of the internet. And I know we don't have a lot of time, so I got to make this quick. You know, started in, we can go over an hour. Go ahead. Started in 2000, but you know, really full implementation came many years later. And the same thing's going to happen here. I think 2025 will be like the year where we look at and say, stake in the ground. That's when everything starts. But um, at that point, you know, that's just the beginning of it. And, and there you're still going to have a ton of growth potential coming many, many, many years later. That's why it's so important, as you said, have an exit plan, know what you're doing, don't sell all your bags, make sure you bring some of that with you in the future. Johnny, let me just finish this out with one last thing. Let's just go over an hour. We'll go a couple minutes extra. You guys, show us some love. Smash the like button for the extra content. Johnny Crypto and Jen are working overtime right now. But the last thing I wanted to say about the price charts here is that when we talk about XRP, we know they're building CBDCs on top of the XRPL, right? And they're talking about how that's a private chain. They're going to tokenize assets and XRP with the, the liquidity between. What are we seeing with Stellar? We're seeing something a little bit different. They're talking about using the Stellar blockchain to tokenize stocks and bonds put them right onto this public ledger. It's actually more optimistic for the average retail investor. And I don't think we've taken time to elaborate on that. So what do you think, Johnny? With what we know about the use cases, does Stellar actually have more potential than XRP? You know, to some degree, I almost think it does. Because if you think of what Ripple did is they backed themselves in the hole and say, hey, we're just going to be a cross-border payment system. And that's what we want to be and do. Now they've grown since then and they've expanded into custody and market NFT marketplace. And they're going to be more than just that. But while, while they were going after, you know, kind of more of the cross-border payment system stuff, it's been quietly in the background making partnerships as well and being more known as the tokenization token. If that does happen, Abs, there is going to be huge upside potential. And that shirt that Jenna's wearing is going to be worth a lot more than she paid for. That's it right there. It's going to be, everybody's going to want that sweatshirt that Jenna's got. Jenna, don't throw that thing out, even if it uh, starts to erode and, you know. You might want to hang on to that thing because it could be worth a lot more than it is right now. That's for sure. I, I think I believe there's it. huge upside potential. I believe it, Johnny. And look at this price chart right here. Historical patterns could result in a nearly 500% increase in price for XRP, taking us to about $3.30. Or the other, out of, the other side of this article is a 51,000% increase, taking us to $250. I'd like to focus on the beginning here, Jenna. When we talk about XRP, we know that the lawsuit is going to be a key factor. But what are you thinking? Like, do we need this lawsuit to end in order for us to experience some big price action? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. I mean, because I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to reach all-time highs during alt season. I mean, you know, it'll definitely be done by then because we have a while until then, right? It'll probably be like next year sometime. But um, yeah, it, it has to be done because then that's when we can start to see more adoption, institutional money, just everything. People have more confidence in it and it'll probably be you know what what the narrative will be the chosen one and all this stuff the only one with clarity so i think it's going to take you know a lot of the market cap of some other cryptocurrencies that will be battling with the sec as well you know and that uncertainty because a lot of smaller guys don't have the money to battle now the multi-billion dollar companies absolutely and look at this comment right here the stellar foundation is non-profit johnny and i think that's a key reason why they've been able to skate past the sec they don't make any money, guys. We're all billionaires, but we don't make any money. Don't look in this direction. But this is what I wanted to show our listeners. Yesterday, the BIS put out a new video highlighting how they're creating a unified ledger for all central bank digital currencies to communicate. In those documents, they not only reference Ripple, Stellar, but they also reference XRP. It said Ripple and Stellar are two blockchain-based companies that are trying to make value transfer cheaper. Ripple provides various services via the use of their native token, XRP, which is roughly envisioned as an international payment medium or a wholesale settlement coin. That's exactly what we described, Johnny, the liquidity between CBDCs. I'd love to close the show out here. What's it mean to you, my friend? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we know that there has to be something that solves that liquidity issue. We know it'll be some form of cryptocurrency. What's going to be, how that's going to look like, Abs? I've always said I think there's going to be multiple solutions in the beginning, seeing how this is going to play out. They're all trying to figure this out. What's the best solution? Which one is the lowest cost and, and simplest to implement? That's ultimately what tends to, um, you know, it's all about bottom lines at the end of the day. People are going to want to figure out how do you optimize that. So I think it's going to be the solutions that can achieve that. And with the simplest amount of implementation, either all of them are going to require a heavy lift because we're shifting from a whole new system. But the question is, who's got the best solution? Who's got the better, um, the lower cost? And then here's the last thing, who's got the connections? And that's why I, oh, we lost Jenna. And that's why I like, I'm, I'm kind of pumped up about XLM or at least feel like I need to own some of it because there's some connections there that that seem, you know, he seems to be the Teflon Don and I'm sure there's a reason for it, but I don't know what they are. And guys, this is the last article I want to show you. The CEO of America's largest mutual insurance company has joined in a Bitcoin company. The movement has begun, guys. And we got 362 live listeners joining us. If you enjoyed this content, show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to see you guys in 23 hours. And tomorrow, we got a pretty exciting interview. Tony Edward is going to be joining the show. So we're going to be sure to talk about American regulation and where this market is quickly headed. With that being said, we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. 